but give us some of maybe some of the examples that that you've heard of with regard to free speech being infringed on college campuses. We had a uh, massive movement against the mask mandate at MSU when that was in place. And through that, we found that the university police were monitoring the uh, state chair at the time, his emails that he sent to faculty of the university asking about like specifics of if there was possibly going to be a vaccine mandate. And the university police hadn't been forwarded the message or anything. They got it on their own because they knew we were doing this action that they didn't approve of. They were monitoring emails. Actually, it was surprising when we talked to people, there were a fair number of people that were like, oh, we don't see this as an issue. Like, we're not concerned. It just, it doesn't make sense why you wouldn't be concerned that the university police are literally monitoring students' emails over his political beliefs. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of American Potential. We've talked so much about the First Amendment and the, the, the importance of respect of other people's viewpoints when it comes to free speech. We've got to get out of this idea that we can cancel other people or, you know, if, we, if somebody says something that we disagree with, that, that it's even really our business to try and not have them be able to express their uh, viewpoint on something. Look, free speech is, it is so important uh, and it's such an important part of the free exchange of ideas. But if all ideas can't be shared because one viewpoint is censored, how can an individual either strengthen their argument or change their opinion on something? This process of being able to have a discussion, a back and forth from all angles of any idea is so important, particularly in American colleges. That's what going to college used to be about. But when the college limits your speech to a free speech zone, that isn't in the class, that, that isn't in the classroom. How does that benefit students? Uh, the state of Montana recently passed a bill that did away with free speech zones on campus, basically saying that the entire campus is a free speech zone. All of Montana is a free speech zone. All of America is a free speech free speech zone. But the Board of Regents filed a lawsuit saying that the legislature, if you can believe this, the legislature infringed on their constitutional authority as the Board of Regents to set policy for the Montana University system. So this past session, there was a bill that was introduced to amend the Montana Constitution regarding the Board of Regents and allow the legislature to overrule the board but only in regard to free speech policy. Now, on today's episode, we have Rachel Stevenson, who's a college student at Montana State University. She's been fighting for free speech on Montana's college campuses. Uh, Rachel, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So, um, first of all, uh, how long have you been fighting this free speech battle? Um, well... This is my fourth year of college, so but I haven't been involved the whole time um, yeah. in the capacity that I am now. 
Uh, so I kind of have had an interest in this type of area for a long time. Since I was in high school, I've been like really engaged with politics and paid a lot of attention to that type of stuff. And so I knew when I came to college, I wanted to get involved. Um, it took me a while to like find the right groups to be involved with and to actually be able to enact change through those groups. So really, this is my second year of being like highly involved in campus politics and also through the last legislative session in Montana politics. Yeah. Now, so why is free speech so important to you? Um, well, I think it's just like one of the most important things in our society for people to be able to freely share their opinions and express themselves. Um, I think that obviously like on college campuses, this is especially important. Um, I'm a political science major, and a lot of people, when I say my political opinions and then I tell them my major, they're really shocked because I'm in an area of campus that most people aren't in agreement with me. And I've just noticed through um, being in this area that there are a lot more students that agree with me than you would think, but a lot of people are like really quiet about what they believe because they don't want to be the controversial student in class that's arguing with everyone all the time. Um, yeah. And so I just think that it's really bad for our society that there's not that, I guess, both sides aren't being portrayed. Um, and so in order for us to actually have dialogue, we need to hear from both people. And obviously that's not always happening now. And I think it's really important that we place more of an emphasis on free speech so that it does happen. Yeah. Do you find people from the other side of the argument, I guess, from maybe the, I guess you could say the left on campus that that are coming to the realization that free speech is important or i mean do you have kind of a i don't want to say bipartisan in the in the sense of parties but both left and right kind of agreeing that free speech is important um i think it kind of depends on like the student groups you look at so actually um when we were doing legislative work this last session we ran a poll of students on campus and had them like we had around 200 students take a survey um, just asking about like free speech and if they would support the bill. We didn't say like if the bill was sponsored by Republicans or Democrats, you know, tried to keep parties out of it. And there was a, I mean, I think we had a 90 some percent support from students um, over the bill because a lot of students do think think free speech is an issue. I think um, especially a lot of students on the left felt feel uncomfortable sometimes expressing their opinions as well, just because they're, you know, afraid that other students might not like their opinions and if they're in the wrong department or whatever. Um, but also, I think there are a lot of people that just don't view it as the type of issue we did did because they're not having the same experiences with it. I mean, I think especially people like in my major, they won't really see it as a bit as big of an issue because most of the professors are going to be in agreement with them. So they don't really have mm -hmm. that chilling effect of not wanting to share their opinion. So they're like, oh, yeah, like free speech exists. I don't have to worry about what I say, but that's just because of the circumstances they're in. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the before we get into the what happened in Montana with the campus free speech bill that was originally passed and all of that. I want to go back a little bit even before that. What were some of the things that, that you know, give us some of the crazy stories that you heard about 
you know, free speech zones and is, you know, was just this little area of campus, you know, and everything else you, you couldn't, you couldn't say certain things. And, uh, but give us some, maybe some of the examples that, that you've heard of with regard to free speech being infringed on college campuses in the state of Montana. Um, so I think like before House Bill 218, which is the one that you referenced that got rid yeah. of free speech zones in Montana, um, mm-hmm. I think there was just a lot of restrictions on what you could do and where you could do it. So like um, you could be kicked off campus if you hosted a tabling event without getting like the proper approval and stuff like that in advance, even though those areas are like public areas that anyone should be able to speak on. Mm-hmm. And so you could be kicked off campus, you could be removed. And I know students had, I know um, University of Montana in Missoula had a lot bigger issues with free speech zones and students actually like physically being unable to be in certain areas of campus. And of course, no matter what, even if your campus wasn't strictly enforcing it, if you were there doing something and they didn't like it, they still had those policies in place. They could still remove you. So you weren't protected in any way. Um, And then even like after that piece of legislation, there's just still a lot of free speech issues on campus. Um, So we had a a massive movement against the mask mandate at MSU when that was in place. And through that, we found that the university police were monitoring the uh, state chair at the time, his emails that he sent to faculty of the university asking about like specifics of if there was possibly going to be a vaccine mandate and the university police hadn't like been forwarded the message or anything they got it on their own and so they were because they knew we were doing this action that they didn't approve of trying to get rid of the mask mandate they were monitoring emails from um, people involved with that which is pretty crazy um actually it was surprising when we talked to people there were a fair number of people that were like, oh, we don't see this as an issue. Like, we're not concerned. And I'm like, it just it doesn't make sense why you wouldn't be concerned that the university police are literally monitoring the students yeah. emails over his political beliefs. Um, yeah. And there, there was no it didn't seem like there was a crime committed. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, they, they, it's not like they were looking for a crime that was committed or if they were, if they would have, God forbid, had had a warrant for for, for getting uh, access to that. That's crazy that that, yeah, that would happen. It was literally just an email asking a member of faculty like what he knew about the potential of a vaccine mandate. And wow. so it was it was not anything that should have been monitored by police like yeah even if you are like a strong supporter of police having those powers it doesn't make sense that they would have yeah. been monitoring that um yeah but then of so, course we've so had let, like other issues so well what are, do you want to go ahead tell me what um, are some of the other issues um just students like we had one student that testified on the constitutional amendment that she um had to write a paper about like it had something to do with why people would choose to support Donald Trump. And the professor clearly like wrote the prompt in a way that they wanted students to be critical of rural Americans choosing to vote for Trump. Um, and she didn't take that approach. She was much more you know, optimistic, giving reasons why people might choose to vote that way. Um, and she failed on the paper. And I think she I can't remember for sure. I think she ended up having to drop the class because she had a low grade in it or 
retake the class or something. Um, and she had asked other people to review her paper and to see if it was, you know, something that like the writing was low quality and that's why she received a poor grade. And everyone that read it was like, there's like, this should have been a highly graded paper, even other mm -hmm. like, pro members of faculty. So things like that, yeah. that obviously students aren't able to express themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, you know, that that's unfortunate. And that, you know, any teacher that does that should be ashamed of themselves because that's a great example of indoctrination. You know, let let a student write whatever they want to write and uh, judge the paper on its academic merit, not not whether you as the as the professor agree or disagree with it. Let me ask you about um, let, let's go back a little bit. Uh, so in Montana, the campus free speech bill was passed uh, a few years back. Uh, which basically got rid of these free, free speech zones and instituted much more uh, uh, freedom for, for students across Montana's public universities. And we talked about this, I alluded to it in the intro, but the, the Board of Regents basically came out and, and sued and took it to, I believe, to the Montana Supreme Court basically saying, well, why would the legislature have any say over free speech on a college campus in Montana? We as the Board of Regents have the ability to, um, you know, to oversee that, which of course is interesting since the Board of Regents was created by the legislature in Montana. <laughs> um, and so it just, it's kind of crazy that this would happen, but it shows you the uh, the depths to which some people will go to make sure that they can continue to censor or stop some forms of speech that they disagree with. The Montana Supreme Court agreed with that uh, decision, as I understand it, and um, and agreed with the, the Board of Regents that they have the right uh, to do this. And now now there's this new bill that's being passed. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that, uh, this new bill that uh, that you all have been working on that would take this free speech issue away from the board of regents. I mean, it just seems like regardless of all of this, it violates the first amendment to the U S constitution. So um, they aren't, they aren't um, excluded from that, that first amendment, your thoughts on all of this. Yeah. So actually there were in 2021, which was the year with the free speech zone bill, which is 218. Mm -hmm. um, there were actually two pieces of legislation that, um, were passed to protect like students' free speech, freedom of association rights. Um, and 218 is still in place. Um, that's not the one that the Board of Regents uh, was involved in getting rid of. Mm -hmm. um, okay. There was an, so currently we can actually like my group, Young Americans for Liberty, we're not a registered student group and we're still able to table on campus wherever we want because 218 is still in place. But 218 is mm -hmm. in a fragile uh, position. And that is because of what you mentioned with the Board of Regents um, having that complete control. So the other bill that was passed at the same time, House Bill 349, um, that was dealing with students' freedom of association within clubs. So I wasn't involved in at this point. Um, but basically what that bill did is made it so that students basically had control over their own clubs and could say 
that someone had to like agree with all of their expressed beliefs in order to have an officer position. So like if you were in a religious club, you can have an atheist member come and vote themselves into leadership within your Christian club. Um, and so basically that's all the bill protected was your freedom of association rights to make sure that you could actually practice what you believed within your clubs and make sure that your members did. And that was the bill that was struck down by the Montana Supreme Court. And mm -hmm. the um, reasoning for that was because it violated the authority of the Board of Regents. Within the Montana Constitution, the Board of Regents have full responsibility and authority over the Montana University system um, with no legislative checks whatsoever. So basically, they're just like they can do whatever they want with the Montana University system. If they don't like a bill, they don't have to abide by it because they have all of that control. And the reason that was put in place was to keep to try to keep the institution from becoming partisan. They didn't want politics mm -hmm. to touch education, but it's just made it worse because now you have a small group of unelected officials who have complete say over what happens on our college campuses. So we kind of noticed this this issue with what happened with 349 and then with all of the other things we'd noticed going on on campus and set out to try to change the Montana Constitution in order to um, make it so that the legislature had a, a narrow, um, narrow control over the university mm -hmm. systems. So basically, the only thing they would have had control over was free speech, freedom of expression expression and due process um mm -hmm. obviously we thought those were things that everyone could agree on that the legislature should have control in ensuring those rights and that we shouldn't allow the university system and the board of regents to continue to trample on those rights but unfortunately um, it was a pretty high bar to get it passed and we did not get the votes needed by the end of the legislative session yeah you needed more than just a simple majority as i understand correct yeah, and actually, this was um, the perfect legislation, legislative session to try to do it. Um, we had a Republican supermajority, so a lot of people were really optimistic that we were going to get some good constitutional amendments passed, and the party could not pull things together. Um, we actually didn't pass a single constitutional amendment the whole session, even with our supermajority. Um, mm -hmm. Our our amendment for the Board of Regents was one of the ones that was closest, but we still just didn't get those votes. Mm -hmm. Is there is there an effort to continue to try and do that again in a future session? Um, we have a lot of students that are really passionate about trying. Um, it was pretty disheartening for it to fail because we did have so many students with really compelling stories about how their rights had been violated on campus and no one really seemed to care. And so there definitely is student interest in trying to do something similar again. The issue is with um, the redistricting that took place, we most likely will not have another chance like we did this session because we're not going to have another Republican supermajority. It just doesn't make sense mm -hmm. with the, the redistricting. So, um, I know that students would love to find a way and definitely we want to keep working to find a way to put pressure in this area and hopefully keep moving things in the right direction. But I don't know if a constitutional amendment will be something that can pass in the near future anyways.
Yeah. Well, I think it's heartening though for for people listening to the podcast to to hear someone, you know, of college age defending the first amendment, defending free speech, and I'm sure they'd be really happy to know that you've got a gigantic group of people, right, who students who are out there defending the first amendment, trying to uh, make sure that these colleges and universities and and just in general society respects the first amendment and uh, and allows people to express their own views i mean th- this has been um you know quite a quite a movement i think within montana and you see it on college campuses across the country but talk about that a little bit and uh you know the number of people that have been involved here yeah it was it was really exciting to see the number of people who got involved with this um so it kind of started out, we had a core group from the activists who had been involved in starting in fighting against the mask mandate. And um, after we managed to get rid of that at MSU, our our thought was like, okay, there's, there's this big issue on campus. And like with the help of AFP, we want to address that. And so starting the beginning of the semester, we started recruiting people at all of our tabling events. We would you know, tell them how big of an issue this is on campus. And there were a lot of students that didn't know this was the way that our constitution was structured and that that the Board of Regents was able to ignore rights. Um, and so a lot of students were really receptive to the idea. And we started to, our club started to grow a lot from that. A lot of people that wanted to get involved. And it was really cool to see once once the legislative session started because it was tons of hard work recruiting all those people. And then it was just so f- fulfilling that um, that very first um, hearing on the bill, we probably had around a dozen students go up to the Capitol and testify and share their stories on how they had been affected. And it was actually the week of spring break. So it was a dozen students that took time out of their spring break to go to the Capitol. And I think a lot of the students that were involved didn't, I mean, I think if you had told them at the beginning of the semester that that's what they'd be doing on their spring break, they would have been shocked because it's just, (laughs) it's not typical for college students to go engage in the political process (laughs) during spring break. Um, And it was also really cool because that first hearing we had, um, there was a small group of students all actually all members of student government, which was funny, that were opponents to the bill. And so there were students that were, you know, not affiliated with the, the, I guess, the student government. And we were all Mm -hmm. up there testifying that it was an issue. And then the student government representatives were like, this isn't an issue on college campuses right after we had a dozen students say that it was. Yeah, Um, yeah. And then after that, I mean, we were, we've had, you know, over a dozen all throughout the semester, probably nearly 20 students that were involved in some capacity of making phone calls or going up to the Capitol and talking with legislators um, and all of that stuff, um, testifying the second time. So it was just a, a lot of student support for, I mean, you think a lot of a lot of college students aren't willing to go do that stuff, even if they agree. So I think it was really telling yeah. how big of an issue it is. Yeah. Yeah. No question. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating to me that, that a student government group would, 
would be opposed to something that basically is reaffirming the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Um, just kind of kind of crazy. I don't know why anybody would oppose uh, campus a, a campus free speech bill that would protect the rights of of uh, people's uh, free speech rights on college campuses in Montana. It's just crazy. Um, Rachel, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time to to tell us about this, but really appreciate again the time that you and these other uh, students have poured into this issue. You've made a difference, and that that's uh, that's got to be in and of itself. I'm sure that's pretty neat to be involved in in an effort like this where you have seen some progress. It's not been all the progress that you'd like, but it seems like you've you've made some really good progress. So uh, I'm sure that that's been uh, been a real uh, real fun aspect to this as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, Rachel. Appreciate your time today. Look, we we've talked about. The, the the First Amendment and free speech. And for colleges and universities, public colleges and universities, to want to fight against this idea it's, is, uh, is crazy. You know, we had uh, Joe Kennedy on, who was, of course, the coach who decided that he wasn't going to take it when the school district told him he couldn't pray privately uh, on, the, on the field after a game. And he decided to take that to court, took it all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and won. But again, it's people like this. It's people like Rachel who are fighting for these liberties and defending the First Amendment. We owe them such a debt of gratitude to all the students in Montana who've taken up this cause. Because as you've heard me say many times, liberty and freedom, they're easily taken for granted. Don't take it for granted. You have to go out there. Be like Rachel and the other students in Montana. Defend freedom, and liberty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.